Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's conversation, I have Dan Savit. Dan and I go way back as we were teammates together in the Cleveland Indians minor league organization. Now, Dan is the president of baseball for PBR New York and PBR Pennsylvania. If you like this conversation and it brings you some value, it would mean a lot if you would reach out to Dan on Twitter. You can find him at Dan Savit, C-E-V-E-T-T-E. If you like the podcast, then you're going to love LPD+. Members of the community get instant access to all of the latest episodes before they release to the public. You can join LPD Plus today. Memberships include a monthly, a yearly, or a lifetime subscription. All come with a free trial. I'll put the link in the show notes below. and Be sure to use the discount code PODCAST to get 10% off all memberships. One of the questions I always got after inventing the Spinner Arm Care Tool was, how do I use this? So I came up with the Foundations of Throwing Online Course. This is just a one-hour mini course uh, outlining not only how you can implement the spinner or how we use the spinner on our training floor, but how you can develop a full arm care throwing program uh, to get the most out of the players on your team, the players in your gym. Uh, this is just your get-started guide uh, with throwing programs and arm care. Go check out that course on my website, chadlongworthonline.com. I'll put the link in the description. Oh, that is way better. You can hear me now. Well, I got you. Can you hear me? I got it, man. That's way better. Yeah. Internet. Okay. We're good. Beautiful thing. Do you still live in the middle of nowhere? Uh, I do. I live like, I can see two farms out my window right now. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm in, I'm in central Pennsylvania now. So I used Not to be in- Elkland? No, it's it's about three hours south of that. I'm like, nice. I'm about an hour from Gettysburg. Not nice. Terrible. No, not bad. It's been a long time, man. It's good to see you. It's I good know. to see you. I was trying to think about how long it's been. I mean, we we rattle around on the Twitter Twitterverse all the time, but like, I haven't talked to you in it's in fifteen it's years, probably. Probably been 2006, maybe. Yeah, that was the last year I played. Wait, what was your last year with the Indians? Indians was 2008, and then completely done with Pro Bowl in 2013. Nice. So, just kind yeah. of. So yeah, that's kind of. I was gonna. That's where. That was kind of where I was gonna start. Uh, these roundtables is just. Just there's no script. It's just organic conversation about whatever, you know, we'll go wherever. I got some things in my mind that we can go with, but we can just go anywhere. Yeah. So I was going to give my perspective from afar on your journey, which I think is really cool uh, from the time that I knew you to after that. And you can tell me if this is right or wrong. I don't know. This is just my, my perspective from afar. So when we were young, and we had everything figured out. You like you've turned into this big weightlifting guy. Yeah. And like I when people ask me, like Chase Cunningham, he asked me about you. I'm like, Savit was not a weightlifting guy when I knew him. You no. know, for better or for worse, when you were with the Indians, uh, it's just not something you were exposed to from a young age, like when you were in high school. And being from a small town, I would imagine all everybody was like, I don't want to to, to be the guy that hurts this guy. So, yeah. right, and so we're not exposed to yeah. fitness, 
training and all these things from an early age? No, I mean, my, my grandfather is who really got me onto baseball and he, he pitched a little bit in the, in the fifties with the, with the, uh, Phillies. Right. He, actually, he was in, um, he played in Johnson city, which you remember we played in Johnson yep. city. Um, yep. he, he just was, you know, of that really old school mentality of, you know, you're going to lose flexibility and you need to, yeah, push. sure. Um, basically I didn't touch a weight. Um, right. Well, you know, I got into the Indians organization and then you, you remember those lifts. They were, they were honestly like they were nothing compared to what yeah. the lift is now. But so, it goes to the point, like with the Indians, you, you stayed hurt a lot. Oh my like, Lord. It was just a constant frustration of being hurt. I was you know, hurt. Shoulder. It was always something. I had, I mean, I had probably, um, I was probably on the DL nine or 10 times, you know, for sure. And like simple things, like I mean, I, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the one year we, we were playing together. I had a, I was having a really good year, and I had a ground ball chopper back up the middle that I tried to field with my bare hand and broke fingers. My yeah. yeah, and I missed like yeah. eight weeks. I missed eight weeks because of that. So crazy. Anyway, so your journey with the Indians ends in two thousand eight. Yep. You go to work, right? You go to work in like. Fracking, Is yeah. That what you it's, do? It's a yeah. So what I did was, I'll tell you. I'll kind of like because like the story is a little. Some people have it a little bit like the timelines confused. But I, I went from the Indians to a free agent role, um, and I didn't sign back with them in the winter. And I moved to Georgia, and I was training in Georgia. Um, and there was some there like I remember Tim Hudson was there, um, and he was throwing, and um, I was you know just doing a few things at a, at an indoor facility, working with some players. And the owner of the facility was a, was a former first round guy, but he was also a, was like a bird dog scout with uh, the Braves. And he was like, Hey, you should, you should like, you should keep throwing. And I was, you know how it is. And we get into that in yep. the minor, minor leagues were so rough, you know, and a lot of people don't understand. Yep. I was done. I was like, I'm, I'm over it. Me too. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> you know, that dream of getting to the big leagues was like far beyond where I was at. Yep. And, and I was the same way. Like I could have played in some indie ball and yeah. I basically told them like, look, if I'm going to ride buses, I, I need the big leagues to be at the end of it because I'm bust out, especially you know, in that. And that I think the Lake County, I think Lake County was like the separator for everybody. Because at that time, Lake County was in the South Atlantic league yep. and the and we bus were, rides were just, we were down in Savannah. I mean, we'd be so some- bad from Cleveland, from Cleveland to Savannah. To I mean, it was on a bus, on a regular bus. Regular bad. bus. They weren't even sleeper buses. They were no. regular. so bad. Anyway, keep going about this time in the facility because I want to give you my want to continue. I'm curious about my perspective on your journey, and then I'll ask questions. Well, so I basically I was in. Um, I was in Georgia, like I said, working out, and there's some, you know, ex-big leaguers there, or, or actual, there were big leaguers at the time throwing, and I was like, all right, I'll I'll throw a little bit more, and so I started training a little bit, and if I don't know if you remember this scout, because he might have covered, he might have scouted down into the south a little bit, but his name was J.J. Piccolo, and he was the, he was the um, Atlanta scout that tried to, like, that when I was going through it in 2002, but now he was an assistant GM of the Royals. So he basically, I, I contacted him. I was a free agent. And I said, Hey, I'm throwing a little bit again. You know, 
is there any opportunities? And he goes, let me send three or four guys to see a throw in Atlanta. So they, they came down. Um, I threw really well and I was messing around like from the side a little bit. And they were like, just, just don't do that. Like say it, stay yeah. up. Top. So basically he gave me an invite to big league spring training. And I went out there and I got to meet Kyle Farnsworth, which is, you know, I still talk to him today. Great guy. And um, basically I went through the whole big league spring training, you know, right away. I knew I was going down to Miley camp. I went down to Miley camp like four weeks in and uh, left with a double a club in Northwest Arkansas played the entire year with them. That was an interesting, I mean, that was the, that was like the Carolina league, but in Texas with way more travel, um, you were yep. from, you'd be up in Missouri and then you'd be down in Midland, Texas. It'd be like 18 hours away. A thousand degrees. And insane. I, I remember the one day we pulled into Midland and we were out shagging, you know, cause that's what I was a professional runner shagger. And once in a while I pitched. Um, yeah. So I'm out in center field shagging and I look out and I I'm looking out in the distance and I see a tornado and I'm like, I'm like, guys, there's a tornado out there. And they're like, yeah, that's like a, that's like 50 miles away. Don't worry about it. That happens every day. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this, this ain't, this isn't a small town, Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, I basically finished up and it was, it was another one of those things where I think I went on the DL with them twice and it just, it, it was, and it wasn't anything to do with talent. I had a lot of it. I was very lucky. Um, and I actually got better and I was throwing harder. Um, you know, I was sitting in that mid to mid range nineties, probably 92. 92. See, I thought you had gone to work. First <laughs> Not, yet. Not yet. And like gotten really strong working mm-hmm. And it kind of dawns on you like, hey, maybe I should like be strong because you did not throw 95, 96 like no, with I, the Indians ever. No, no, when I got drafted, I was 88 to 90. 90 yeah. In that first year that me and you were together in, in Burlington, I was probably 86, 88. Yeah. Um, good breaking ball, good stuff, like, but, it, but not 95, 96. No. Like when I would read this story, I'm like, "What in the? What, he's must he he must have like, figured, like got because I my understanding of the story was you went and worked first. No, nope. so and like that work. When did you work? Like when did you go do that? Okay, so I actually got done playing with with the Royals, and it was it was September, and I said, "All right, I'm gonna." You know, I didn't know if I was gonna get signed. Had back. you gotten into fitness at this point with the Royals? Had you got? Yeah. I was just, I was just a little bit older. So it was, you know, so I was a little bit just naturally stronger and I was like 92, 93 touched to 94 once in a while. Um, and that was kind of my peak. I remember with, in the, with Kinston one time, I think I was not, I hit 94. So I think my peak in the Indians organization was 90 was 94, but I was right around that low nineties range. Um, so basically it was just being a little bit, you know, stronger, but I, uh, I went and actually was a division one recruiting coordinator at Niagara university for the year. And I, I got, I started getting into lifting there because I was in charge of the 6am lifts for the team. So like I started working out with the teams. Might and, as well do that. And I thought I was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to motivate through, you know, actual action versus just telling people what to do. Um, so I did that and I had a lot of fun with it, but there was no money to be made as, as a lot of us know at that, at that small right. level. Um, I actually, then went on to, a, I was a head coach at a junior college the next year. So now we're like 2012, 2011. And I was a head coach of a junior college and I started throwing a lot to the kids because 
I was just trying to get the, uh, we didn't have good arms. So I was trying to give the guys velocity that they could see. Yep. And it was funny. We had one kid that was pretty good. He was, he was like 88, 91 out of nowhere. And I had a red scout come check him out. And I was throwing, I was throwing live to the team and I was like 92, 93. And the guy was like, you need to, you need to, uh, you need to keep playing. And I'm, you know, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm over it. He's like, no, you really need to keep playing. So I said, all right. So I actually went and signed in the uh, Can-Am League and played independent ball for like three months. And let me just tell you this much, and you already probably know, that is a different world. It is it was, yeah. it was not a, Listen, I was pampered. I was babied in affiliated ball. When I went to independent ball, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is crazy. And I was a veteran, so I was making the most on the team, which wasn't much. But yep. I, I'm playing with kids that were work playing for like 300 bucks a month. And they were there chasing a dream that I didn't want to like, I, I already chased the dream and was already kind yeah. of new. I knew what the dream really was now. And I yeah. didn't want to bubble like guys, you're so far away from the dream. But, but I, but I just was like, all right, I'm going to do this for a little while. And I was up in Quebec playing and my elbow, I never had an elbow a dream. My elbow started here. I'm like, listen, I must be like the most injury prone pitcher right. in the world. Cause now I have a, now I have a hurt elbow. So I was like, I am so done with this shit. And so I went, I went back home and one of my buddies who pitched at Pitt um, was from that like Elkland Mansfield, you know, Wellsboro PA area. And he's like, damn, the oil field is starting to boom. Like, he's like, I'm making crazy money. You know, we're on this awesome, like, you know, work 12 days, get six days off. Like, I'm like, all right. So I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll try it out. So basically I went right into from independent ball. I went right into the oil field and I started, uh, you start as a, they call you a worm. Okay. So I was like, right. this is, I'm back in rookie ball, big deal. Like I, it, like baseball yep. prepared me for everything, everything, everything. So I'm like, okay, you can call me a worm. Like, I don't care. Like I'm going to go, I'm going to go put my green helmet on and I'm going to swing sledgehammers and I'm going to like clean tools in January. It's like six degrees out. I didn't care because yep. I was like, I've done this shit before. And so I just started, I started doing that. And, um, I kind of worked my way up. I actually started liking it. It was interesting and you could make good money. So it was, it was, it was like, all right, like if I'm going to invest my time, I'm going to actually like try to make something of it. So I ended up getting a CDL. I ended up getting a crane license and I got a well control certificate to where I went to well control school. So I was able to get all these things and, you know, in a, in a relatively short period of time, probably like eight months. Then it came, it was the middle of the summer, I remember. And I basically, um, I said to uh, my supervisor on the site, I said, Hey, there's a, there's a pro tryout um, in, I think it was Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. And I said, I, I kind of want to go, I kind of want to go throw with it and see, see what I got. So I, and this is no joke. This could be a Disney movie. I, I, I was going here with that. Like listen, this is the movie. Like you were like the story of your journey is unbelievable. Keep going. It's all true. Um, so basically I said, all right, I'm going to throw like, I got like a five gallon bucket of like, little rocks from the well sites and I started throwing them into the trees and just like, like literally just throwing like, like throwing like rocks literally into the trees in my work boots and overalls. And I got, I did it for like two weeks and I said, I'm going now, mind you now I'm like two thirty. Yeah. 
So this is the sort of the part of the story that I like. Yeah. So I'm six, I'm six, four, two thirty. right now. I'm two sixty. Believe it or not, I'm two sixty. Um, <laughs> it's it's crazy, um, but I was I was two thirty and I was pretty stout and I was strong, um, and basically, I um, I went to this tryout and it rained literally the entire time there. So like they canceled it. So I called the scout and I'm like, listen, I'm already almost there. It's the, what can, what can we do here? And he said, I'm gonna contact a legion coach and see if I can get a, a, a legion catcher to come catch you and you'll throw a bullpen. There's a field that has a covered mound once it quits raining, you can throw. So the, so the, so the tryout gets canceled, but I'm still there. So I basically get out there and I start throwing. I do long toss with the kid. And I'm like, I actually feel really thrown a baseball at this point. Right. We're no still baseball. throwing rocks into the trees. There was no baseball at all. 100. Okay. You can I love I can, it. I can this is the best thing ever. It, the story it, it, is better than I thought it was going to be. No, it, it's really and I good. thought it was going to be good. Like I <laughs> keep going. So I, 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 I'm throwing long toss and I'm like, all right, this is feeling pretty good. And I get it. I get out of the mound and I'm, you know, you got the adrenaline going and yeah. I'm, I'm letting it eat. And he's like, you ready? I'm like, yep. Yeah. Kid gets down and got this one scout, just this, he, and he was a major league scouting bureau scout. He wasn't even a team scout. He was, a, he was a bureau scout. And I throw probably like eight or nine pitches and I see him put the gun down, kind of like the movie, the rookie, he puts the gun down, they like turn it off. And and I'm thinking, I don't know. He's like, throw some breaking balls. They were terrible. They, like, I had zero feel. Like, they, they were. <laughs> yeah. I'm just here to let it eat. That's exactly. And yeah. I'm like, no feel for a breaking ball. Changeup, which was probably my best pitch in pro ball, was 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 just not there. I mean, they're all feel pitches. I, I didn't have any. I was throwing rocks. So, but but the arm strength was good. And I felt like I had and some you're 230 for the first time probably ever. Yeah. You're an actual human being. Yes. And, right. and it was, yeah. And I mean, I had like, I mean, I had like, I have big arms, but like, you remember, I was like a beanpole. Like you I was skinny. A, I was very <laughs> super skinny. I was 160 when I got drafted. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the guy was I mean, a comparison. Like I love to lift. Like I was fortunate enough in high school, the football coach for whatever reason, kicked my ass every day in the weight room. I didn't even play football. He either did it because he saw something in me or he was punishing me for not playing football. And I still talk to him to this day and say, I don't know which one was which, but I really appreciate what you did for me from an early age, right? And so when I was in pro ball, I was probably 220. Yeah. Like, I was probably 220. Yeah. Like, you were were pretty put together for a high school draft. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I was fortunate in the people that I got around early. You know, my buddy's dad – and I see this guy all the time. He owned a gym, like this little hole-in-the-wall gym. When we were in the eighth grade, we used to go to his, this, this my buddy's dad's gym and, like, kind of try to do what the older guys did. And we would go, like, all the time. Like, almost – I won't say every day, but it was, like, four days a week. We would just go in there and, like, do what they did. This was in the eighth grade. And That's then awesome. by the time I got to the tenth grade, this football coach guy – we get a new football coach. He comes in and – I guess he wanted me to play. I never played. I played basketball and baseball my whole life. My dad really my, would never let me play football. So I guess maybe he was trying to get me to play football. And so, like, he put me with the meanest – The guy, listen, the guy that I trained with in the 10th grade is on YouTube now training, like, Navy SEAL guys. <laughs> he was so mean. And so um, there were times I would be like, Jared, look, 
I can't do what you're doing. I will, I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah. And if I hurt myself in here, I'll, I'll hang with you most of the time. Cause I was competitive. Like I wasn't going to let him try to outdo me. Right. And so, but then on out, I was 220 in pro ball. And when I say you were a real person, you actually had weight now. You actually had weight when you go to this tryout at yeah. 230 and you've been throwing rocks. But yeah. I want to hear the rest of this story. We were uh, kind of backtrack on on your frailness early on. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was. And as you can see, I'm still rapping Penn State, as you remember yeah. conversations. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my fanhood has traveled a lot, man. My sister was at Virginia Tech. You're a I'm big a Virginia Tech, Tech guy. It's right here in my back door. She leaves Virginia Tech. I don't even know what year now. She goes to Florida for 10 years. I just kind of follow Florida for 10 years. And literally in the last, I don't know, two months, she gets a job at Tennessee. Tennessee is a school I've hated my whole life. And so now, like, I got a Tennessee shirt. Like, she yeah. sends me a Tennessee shirt. I'm like, crap. All right. Well, I'm a Tennessee fan now. Huh. Who knew? It's called maturity, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're a little bit mature in our old age. For um, sure. I guess. As good as you can be. As good as you can be. I mean, I but, still try to play baseball every day. Uh, so so the, the scout walks out and he goes, what were you throwing when you retired from the Royals? Because basically what I did was I just didn't sign back with anyone. I just stayed a free agent. Yep. And I said, I got it up to like 92, 93, touched 94 once in a while, but I was like an 88, 92 guy. And he's like, he's like, I'm just going to, I'm just being real with it. You didn't throw a fastball under 95. And he said, you top 97, four times in, in 10 pitches. And, yep. and he, he's like, I don't, I have to put this into all the teams. He's like, I didn't even look at your, your secondary. I go, well, I don't have any feel. He goes, he goes, I got to ask you this. Are you taking something? And I said, no, sir. I said, I've never, ever went down that path, ever. Right. Like, you are huge compared to what I remember you when you got drafted. I said, well, I'm like, well, that was like, you know, a long time ago. He's like, all right. He's like, but your arm still really works good. He's like, it's insane. He goes, you're like this huge guy. Looks like a like a like like you would be a tight end with a clean working arm from the left side that's up to 97. So I drive back. This is funny. I'm so I part of the story I, I left out. Was, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest with you. I kind of thought that. Yeah. Like I kind of thought that when I read this part of the story, I'm like, he had to have been taking something. Yeah. And not that not that that makes you a bad guy. Maybe you were just messing around. Yeah. Like, well, it's a reasonable if you listen. A guy like you that knows me. Yeah. And when I went through, like, if you you saw me, you're like that is he is a totally different like size yeah. person. Not if I had seen you at that time, I, my mind would have been blown at you being yeah. 230. Yeah, it was. It, it was me and TJ Burton. TJ yeah. Burton's mind would have been blown too. Yes, TJ would have would have just been like, "There's no way." That <laughs> um, but there was. So the part of the story I kind of left out was the supervisor of uh, for this company I work for is called Cud Energy Services. They he goes, "Hey, I'm not telling the front office. Take a company truck." drive and just be back tomorrow. I'm like, okay, well, so now, now, now I have a lot of things in my head on this drive back, which is like seven hours to Ohio. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this. So on the ride back, I had four offers. I remember the first one was from the Toronto Blue Jays and, but they all wanted me just to come direct. And I was, it was like June, end of June. So they, they wanted me to go to extended spring. Oh God. 
And I'm like, oh man, I've done that a lot. I've been so down that road. They want me to go to extended spring and they just wanted to give me like a chance. No, no actual contract. So I called my agent who was like, first off, what are you doing? <laughs> like I didn't even <laughs> And so I'm like, hey, is there any chance you can set up a workout for me with teams that would be actually interested in signing me? He's like, let me, let me make some calls. So basically the next week he sets up a workout with 15 teams in Florida. I go down to Daytona and I throw in front of 15 teams. And um, it was at Emory Riddle, if you're familiar yep. with that. And yep. so they were, they were like doing some summer stuff there. So the coach had some of his guys step in against me and it, and it actually got the, like, it really got the juices. Like I it yep. started to feel like I was competing again. And I was like 95, 96, like the slider was back to 83 and pretty sharp. And, and I had like 17 offers after that. It was, it was insane. It was like, everyone was offering. And, and this really wasn't at a time either where everybody threw 95, 96. I mean, you're still an outlier. Very much an outlier. That's a, yeah. and that's the thing. If you look at it now and everyone's, you know, there's like, and I would say this, so I still don't know how many lefties are bringing it 95 plus even right now. Right. Um, still kind like, of an outlier. It's a little bit of an outlier. I mean, I still think the average lefty is probably that it used to be 88. Now it's probably 92. Yeah. I, I would say in that range. Um, but yeah, so I mean, this is 2012. So I mean, it, yeah, that's a, I mean, you're an outlier. If you're a lefty throwing an outlier, yeah. Yeah. So, so basically it was, it, you remember Neil Huntington, remember him? He was the, uh, he was with the Indians at the front office, but now he's the yep. GM for the Pirates. Yep. So they came in with a really good offer, monthly, a really good monthly salary, like actually like, like something you're like, wow, I might be able to live on this for, for a month. Yeah. And so basically I signed with them and I went right to high A, got some innings in and, they, and then they put me in double A. And I mean, I had, I had a really, really solid, um, really solid, you know, end of the summer in 12 and I got invited to, uh, winter ball and I played in winter ball, uh, from October until I think it was October to like right around Christmas, but I started having arm issues again. And I just said, you know what, I, I think I'm done. And so I, you know, I felt like I'd really given it three chances now, like to, you know, and really. Yeah. Like, very I, different I, chances. Though. Very, like three different things. And so then, you know, and I, and, and I gotta be so honest, like I didn't, I didn't know what prep baseball report was. I had no idea. Like I didn't know anything about this level of, of amateur. Right. Baseball. So right. I was just looking for like, Hey, how can I stay in baseball? You know, college coaching, I kind of did it. I realized like, it could be a long, long path to like have a, a stable job in, yeah. in baseball. So yep. maybe I could do something else. And um, so this, the, 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 the PBR stuff happened and, you know, I found out that, you know, it was kind of like a little bit of like, you know, you, you kind of have to buy your territory if you get picked and um, you know, it was an investment on my end, but it's, it's really turned out well. And um, you know, it's that it, everything that I've ever done in my life from like a little kid on is, is, baseball has always been some part of it. So I think it would have been really hard for me to um, not be involved in baseball right now. Yeah. As you see, if you follow my Twitter now, like I'm almost, I'm almost buried in it. So I can't get out of it. Like I have to, you know, and now I have to do tweets per day because I feel like yep. the has gotten so good that maybe kids are actually like looking for advice. Yep. 
Um, I try to do like by, by no means am I like an expert on lifting. Um, I love it. I actually, uh, part of the story I never, I never told you was when I was in double A with the, with the Royals, I decided I needed to get my college degree. So I did that. And I went back. I was going to ask, did you ever get, did you ever go back to school? Yep. So I got, I got my degree and I got, and I, it was in sports management. And then I nice. had, a, had a concentration in wellness and fitness. So I did, okay. I started, you know, a lot more passion behind the fitness and stuff. And, um, but, you know, basically I just, I go back to how thankful I am of the game of baseball. And like, I remember when me and you were playing and the guys that I was friends with at that early stage and how we just didn't understand like the impact the game could make on us. No. Even if we didn't get to the big leagues, which, you know, I get, I get upset a lot when I look at, you know, people act like if we, if you didn't get to the big leagues, you weren't very good. Right. Like, I'm like, listen, if you, if you made it to college, you were an excellent, excellent player, right? Very good player. Chance to play professional baseball for an affiliated team. I mean, you are, you are in that such a small percentage of the, of the level of talent that you had and like how, how, um, you know, insane that really is and twitter like is great and terrible it's great and it's it's you know what i mean it's It's a good way to describe it it's hard for me sometimes because like i I, i'm like i'm at a point now where i'd like i just like if you have something to say to me negatively about what i'm doing then don't do it on twitter let's talk about it in person you know whether that's right Right. or wrong but i don't i I don't want to have these arguments with people like i had there's a guy on twitter the other day basically saying like, and I don't know what, like I only control Pennsylvania and New York for the prep baseball port. Like my events are managed by me and my staff in those two States. I don't have any control over anything else in the country, but I do those two States. And there's a guy on Twitter. That's like, you know, there, there's a group of guys on Twitter that are just anti everything to do with the worst. They're just, they're, they're literally the biggest negative fun suckers ever. And they just, and yep. they, I, wake up and they're like i'm going to like how negative like how sad is that to wake up and just say i know it's like I'm you, be you have to, like scroll past some things and just let it go man yeah, let it go like and today i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna respond negatively to everything that i disagree with on twitter yes you know when <laughs> move on man it's, you know it's i usually so- think i've blocked a lot of people through my time on twitter um but I, I've gotten to people now that's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man, but thanks for stopping by my page and checking it out. You you <laughs> obviously think highly enough of what I've done to be arguing with me. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, I had a guy, Chad, this is no joke. I had a guy yesterday that basically his argument was, I need to show kids that came to PBR events that are now in college or in pros and if they didn't do well in college or pros, it means the PBR events suck. And right. I'm, like, I'm like, so explain to me how any of that makes any sense. Right. Like my only job is to like scout players and hopefully evaluate players. Yep. I'm not the only reason they go to college. I've always said this, a kid that gets like that goes to college or beyond, like he has done the work. He has, he has done this. It is not me. It is not you. We're all a part of it. But the kid is the one that yep. needs to like, be the one that takes the responsibility. He did it. Like, I, I, I would never be, hey, you know, you came to 10 of my events, and that's the only reason you're going to college. No. Yeah. 
No, you came to my events because probably you're real competitive and you wanted to like get your numbers up and you wanted to see what, what was out there. That's probably why you came to 10 events, you know, and, and then I, and then I get into these, um, you know, I get, I just get so upset reading some of these people that believe like, if you're good enough, like just they'll find you. I'm like, listen, that is about the biggest fallacy I've ever heard. Like if you're from Podunk, Pennsylvania, where I was from, yeah. Who the hell is going to find me if I don't get out there and, and put myself on some sort of platform? Who is seeing Right. Me? I mean, that, that's the point I was going to make. Like, you can't just do nothing. But, like, Twitter is a it's, great tool if you okay. live in Podunk, yep. like I do, like you did, to where, you know, you can kind of showcase your skills out there now. Now, you got to, as a hitter, I got to go, I got to go find a place to compete on the field. Yep. But, like, as far as, like, showcasing my skills, you have no... You have no excuse today. There's no excuse. no excuse today. There's no excuse to not be stronger. There's no excuse because, like, you don't have to get a gym membership. You can do five. No, you no. Can do- just think about what young Dan Savit would have would have done with just maybe two days a week of just some basic. I'm talking like squat. You know, it's what I try to get kids to do when they're 13 or 14. Let's not try to grab the whole tree. Like, yep. let's try to grab the lowest hanging fruit. Let's bench, let's squat, let's deadlift, let's do it two times a week and just build the habit of, of working because without the habit, you're not going to stick to it. You know, whether, whether that you believe it or not, you're always establishing a habit. If you're getting into the habit of missing workouts, you're just going to miss workouts. You're not going to be strong anyway. 100%. Right. And so I think everybody's got to think you got to drink from the fire hose from that world. It's like, right. just, just take small sips starting out, you know? Yeah. From a fitness standpoint, you're talking about there's no excuse not to get strong. It's like young Dan Savi would have would have benefited so much from just a basic look, man, we're just gonna bench squat and dead a couple times a week. And then if we want to add anything to that outside of that, we can, but like let's just establish that. Hundred percent, man. I mean, yeah, it's it's like I, I look at I look at where I was and you always play the the what if game. And I'm like, if I could go back to 2002, there's about a hundred things I would do differently in rookie ball. Right. right. Maybe, maybe 10 less um, midnight dinners at Waffle House would have yep. been part of that. But start. again, what we, we can go, we can, I'll say this. Eric Sim talks about this a lot about not paying minor leaguers. Yeah. I am. Oh, if you don't want to pay minor leaguers, I am okay with that, but you have to take better care of them. Yeah, You have to provide food for them. You have to provide housing for them. You have to provide transportation for them. Like I can't be called up to another team and have to worry about getting rid of the apartment I live in, going and finding another apartment to where I'm going. You're paying me nothing anyway. It's like, you got to take better care of these guys. You don't want to pay them. Don't pay them, but you can't, you can't send them to Waffle House after a game because you haven't fed them. Yeah, I mean, it's like, come on, we're trying, and it's unbelievable on the business end of this. It's like MLB orgs still, I don't think, completely grasp. Like, you're trying to build assets as a business yeah. to trade for better assets. Sure. So, like, nutrition and fitness, like, if you could take a 25th rounder and turn him into an asset that you can trade for Max Scherzer, it's like, look what you've done. Like, yeah. look at the value exchange that you've done. I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of it, and I, it, it really, it was frustrating for me because I got, I became friends with 
a ton of players throughout my career and hardly any of them were the, the top round pick guys. They were all these like, you know, just absolute great human beings. Yeah. I remember a guy named Eric Stiller. Um, Eric Stiller was, went to Princeton and like he's, he was from Texas, went to Princeton and then got drafted in the 28th round, 30th round. You know, he was a six, four, six, five, 93 guy, but he was there to fill spots. And to be a guy, no shot. And it, That's and my he, problem with pro ball too. Yes. And if he lasts, say he lasted four or five years, well, he has a Princeton degree, so now they're going to put him in, put him in the front office or something. Yep. But he he was he was probably one of my oh, later in my career. He was one of the one of the best um, resources I had because very very smart, very you know down to earth, and very grounded with his with his beliefs. And he helped me, like he got me onto a couple of books that I read later in, later in, in the Indians organization that kind of helped me just say, listen, like, yeah, I want to get to the big leagues. I think we all do. But like at this point, like I have to take care of each day versus like, cause I used to always look like, how do I get to the big leagues? And, yep. you know, you don't realize like you got to take care of that day and the next day before you like can get any sort of huge goal accomplished. Right. Um, I think I, and I tell young people today, you got to build a body of work. Yeah. You just have to build a body of work and that takes time. I was the same way. Like I can't take my eyes off. It's, and if you've been there, if you've been there, it's, it's, it's you're making a thousand bucks a month. And the check there is like, and the check there, the lifestyle there is so much yeah. better than what you're doing. It's, and it's hard not to get distracted by that. Like it's hard not to be distracted by that like you're talking about like but if you can master that that mindset of just man i've got to i've got to work on today and i've got to make today as good as it can be i mean i i told i was telling the story just a couple of days ago that i mean i got called up from i got called up from rookie ball at 19 to the to the scrappers so yep. i drove from burlington to mahoney valley in ohio yep and I got in at like 10 o'clock at night and they said, the GM of the team said, Hey, we got a host family for you. I went there and it was, it was the biggest disaster ever. I had the host family asking to borrow my car at three in the morning to go like deliver papers. Like it was, it was a terrible, I'm like, did you guys even like vet these people? Like that's the kind of stuff like a 19 year old in pro ball yep. should, should not be do, dealing with. No. So like I ended up, I remember that, like I ended up leaving at three in the morning. I was with, do you remember Dan Dunham? Yes. So, I was. So, I, we, do you remember PJ Heiser? Oh yeah. yeah we no. talk about Jason Denham, his brother, yeah. all the time. Yeah, Jason. I, dude, I had Jason. Jason. I hope he's not listening because he, one night he got like seriously drunk and peed all yeah. over air conditioner in my room, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He was like a young <laughs> kid, and like I was like 25 at the time. I'm like, dude, oh, what? he was. So, I think he got into pro ball. Jason got into pro ball at like. 17 yeah he was young he was super young yeah i anyway, got so many, dan denham so many wars talk about dan denham jason's brother yeah well we were we were together and it was like we can't stay here like literally the the, the they asked us if we if we had any pills you know and i'm like yeah i got lots of pills like let me go get my freaking pharmaceutical bag like yeah. so it was like no we're getting out of here so we left at three in the morning went back to mahoney valley and slept in the parking lot this is my second year in pro ball. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, so this is what pro ball is about, huh? This like, is what I'm, it is. 
Yeah. And then I have to wait till eight in the morning for someone to come to the field, unlock the field. And then I go sleep on the couch and get a shower there. And I'm like, guys, where am I staying? Cause I'm not sleeping there ever again. Like it's, so you went through some stuff that a lot of people don't get. And I, the one thing I do hate, and you'll see it on Twitter because these guys are behind a screen and they can't, like, they would never say it to our face, but they're like, no, heck no. Like, what are you bitching about? You had the chance to play baseball. Yeah. I'm like, so you're telling me we're, we're like in that like 0.001% of the best baseball players in the country. So if you, if you looked at a doctor, would you say only the surgeons, like the big leagues, the surgeons, like the neurosurgeons, the brain surgeons, they, they're the ones that make the money. And then everyone else that's a doctor just works for nothing. Like, yep. no, if you're, if you're you a, doctor, be a doctor though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so it's like, I get so fed up and I'm like, listen, I don't care what anyone says, but the minor leaguers, it's such a, it's such a hard, it's such a hard, you know, a hard game. And, um, Tough. It, when you're at that, when you're at that level, like everyone the the first rounder and the 30th rounder are all like, there's no separation. There's hardly any separation between them. It, it's consistency. It's, it's who got more money. It might be a little bit of projection, but I mean, you look at me, I was 88, 91 as a third rounder. Nowadays, 88, 91 in high school is probably an eighth rounder. Like it's, it's all changed. It's, it's, it's so yep. crazy. Here, so, I'll say this. And then I want to, I want to talk about PBR for a minute. I asked, this is this is happening with pitching to a degree now. I think more later round guys are getting better chances based upon their stuff because we can quantify their stuff using technology, right? Yeah. I ask. I was hanging out in Windermere, Florida, with a guy that played on the PGA Tour a couple years ago, and I said, "Let me ask you a question. You know, golf's been here for twenty years. You know, optimizing technology for feedback and." How does baseball get there? You know, what is it going to take for for this to become an accepted practice in baseball? Because we are very still in the in the early years of implementing technology as a feedback tool and quantifying results and all these things. He said, "Well, what?" He said, "I'll tell you what happened." He said, "There were guys, there's only 150 tour cards on the PGA Tour," and he said, "What started happening was guys that grew up as lesser players than the top guys started taking those guys' tour cards." And the top guy said, wait a minute here. That guy was terrible. And now he's on tour. How did that happen? So they start digging. They're like, he's got this little track man machine. And he's, he's optimizing his practice time using this track man. And so the best players started doing it because they didn't want their tour cards to be taken. Right. So to me, what that means in pro ball is when the later round guys can have a fair shot to take top round guys' spots, optimizing technology, optimizing development, optimizing all these tools at their disposal, the top round guys are going to have to pay attention because their spots are getting taken. They're not going to, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to ignore it forever. You know, it's like now it's like hitting rap soda, blast, cake, whatever. You'll talk to a lot of the best players and they'll be like, I don't, I don't need any of that. It's like, you'll think differently if your spot starts to get taken by somebody who you believed in your mind, you were better than. It's like they optimize their practice time, and you aren't. That's that's just my pitch on late round guys. They got to have a fair shot. Like you get late round guys a fair shot, and they start because you know a late round guy. I mean, whatever you ask a late round guy to do, you show up six o'clock in the morning. He'll carry the equipment bag. Like he'll do anything to get on the field. 
Yeah. It, and like, obviously like you want to be a higher, you want to be a higher on guy, right? For like, sure. Want to be. That'll always be true just because of the money aspect of it. The money aspect. And like, for me, yeah, that was great. Um, but like, I, I hated the, I hated the, hold up one sec. You're good. These are organic talks, man. The dog barks sometimes. My kids run in on occasion. I'm back. Hopefully you, got edit, hopefully you got an edit button. Do I? Hopefully you got an edit button. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. All right, we, I'll, I'll edit this before I post it. Um, so anyway, let's move on. I, we get in fairly soon if you got stuff to do. But I want to I want to touch on and grab some, some low-hanging <coughs> recruiting fruit. You know, like like I think there's a lot of just overwhelming amounts of information about this is what you need to do to, to play in college. This is what you need to do to get recruited. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do that. There's a couple of tweets I think that you have had that like are really significant that I don't know that people will, will pay much. Have paid, they paid a lot of attention to one was, and I don't know how exactly it was worded, but it was basically in a nutshell, develop relationships with the college coaches that are like 60 to 90 miles from your house, that's probably where you're going to go. Yeah. Right. And I think that's one of the low hanging fruits that you need to snag. Like it's easy to, to play in these national tournaments, PG, PBR, go to these places, do these things. But like really and truly, you just need to like focus in on the area schools that are around you and develop relationships with those guys. Yeah. And Thoughts. the reality is that's not even my opinion. That's a fact. So like, I had I had one of my employees go through and look at every single um, right. So the, here we are with data and information, right? I don't have that. Keep going. I like this. Yeah. So I mean, we went through every single roster in New York, every roster, college roster in Pennsylvania, and then we did it the whole way up the East Coast. So what I was trying to do was to show a New York player or a Pennsylvania player, Tennessee has zero New York players on their roster. In the state of Tennessee, there might be six. So right. I'm like, you're, but you're going down and playing travel baseball in the South for seven weeks straight. So all these New York and Pennsylvania and surrounding schools, their recruiters that might not have the budget to go down South because they also, when you flip it on, you know, Binghamton university doesn't have 17 kids from Alabama on their team. Right. But, but people it's, but it's, it's like, it's that dream. It's like our dream of playing to the big leagues. It's their dream of playing at Vanderbilt. Yep. But, at some point at like age 14, you probably need to say, I'm either, I could have that chance or I need to really start shifting. How hard am I working? What are my, where am I, where's my skill set at? Yep. You know, because you can't, you can't do this. And then at 17, 18 years old, you go, Oh, you know, I guess I better look locally now because those schools are going to probably be like, we don't even know who you are. We don't know what player you are. We don't right. know. You. We're not going to be your second option. Like, right. You know, it's, it's just a reality. I mean, it's, it's tough. I get it. You know, I, I look at, I look at what I do, you know, and, and PBR and there's lots of, there's different competitors. People hate it. The people hate that if you're an amateur baseball and you're making money, you must be screwing people. You have to be right. like, look. and I'm like, listen, what, what we do at our level and, and what we do, 
um, nationally, I think is, is, is really proven that you can make a living in the amateur space, which we do. And, and, and you know, I, I have four or five full-time staff members that I, you know, that I'm able to provide a job to. That's significant to me. That's something like I sit back and say, I cannot believe that I've built something that I, I can actually pay people a full-time salary to work, you know? And so I, I get, it's pretty personal to me when someone attacks, you know, in general showcase and stuff, because listen, there are some terrible actors in our business. Terrible people that literally are just there to make a quick buck and they're out that we call them fly by nighters. It's like the circus. It's in one town. It's in the next. Um, they don't, they, they're not going to like, you know, handle their business. They're just going to just keep running away from it. We, we try to make sure that we are as upfront as personal with everyone. We try to make sure that we do um, as much scouting, evaluating as we can. We scout Again, the- to that point, this, the, the example you just used of, I pulled all this data to show this one guy yeah. that, man, like you're not, you're not optimizing your time where you are. Right. You know, and for me, I say this almost in all of these discussions is everything has a time value exchange. You know, and, and if, if I'm focusing my time in Tennessee and the, the facts are this, and I should be focusing my time on this, why am I doing this at all? Like, why am I spending any time at all? It's like if throwing the ball hard is the foundational piece to, to showcase my skill set and I throw 72, there's no point for me to worry about you know, mixing it in or out or flipping a breaking ball or developing a changeup, like try not to throw 72. Like try to throw 80. Try to throw 85. I don't know how hard you could throw it either does anyone else. You know, your story is is significant in the fact that like you threw 86 to 88 in rookie ball. You got really strong. You ended up throwing, what's the hardest you ever threw a pitch? I mean, you sat 95 to 97 at the end with like 80 more pounds on you and 97 was the hardest. Right? That can happen. Oh, yeah. That can happen for any 14-year-old that throws 72 that's never touched a weight in their life. Again, we talked about those foundational pieces and those first principle pieces. It's like, just go get stronger and you will throw 78, 80. You know, and all of a sudden you start to kick more doors open. And when you start to kick more doors open, now that relationship piece comes into play where focus on the schools that are around you, you know, build relationships with those coaches and you don't know what's going to shake out. You know, I've got some guys in the gym now who I've had since they were 10 years old. And they're like freshman sophomores now. And I tell them, I'm like, they were at Georgia Tech this weekend um, at a camp at Georgia Tech. A couple of them have that hitting tool. So, like, they went to Virginia Tech. They went to Georgia Tech. But I'm like, look, you got to go to the D2s around here too. Like, you got to develop relationships with these guys. Like, you got to go to the smaller D1s. Like, you can't just put all your eggs in this basket because they may not need you. And that's the thing. Like, that's a great goal, but Penn State may not need you. Right. Yeah. I've said it a million times. Like, I don't believe, like, I, I really don't believe that everyone, if they just work hard and throw and do all these training things, like, I don't think everyone's going to throw, can throw 95 because it's just a lot of it. No, but everybody can. Typically, most people can throw harder than what they do today. 100%. Like, if you right. get in the way, if I tested you right now and you threw 78 and then I, you yep. did three more me in the gym, you'll throw 80, 82. I guarantee it. For sure. That's what I, I mean, say. I don't know how hard you can throw, 
You may yeah. be able to throw 90. You may be able to throw 95. I'm certainly aware of genetically not everybody can do that, but I'm 100% sure you can throw harder than you can throw today. Same thing with hitting. You can you can swing the bat faster and hit the ball harder than you're hitting it right now. And well, I would say that for most every young player. And, and here's something, too, and I hope you, hope you post this. Like, I make a living off of kids coming to showcases, okay? There's no – let's not make – any mistake about yep. it. And I will tell you this. Do not come if you're not ready. Don't yep. come expose yourself negatively. I'm telling you. like, And if you do come and you're not where you want to be, that should be the kick in the ass you need to then come back in three months and say, hey, look how much better I got. Look how much yep. work. That's, I mean, people think like, I, listen, I would love kids to come 100 times a year. Trust me. I would love <laughs> yeah. it. I yeah. would love it. But what, what they need to do is they need to come to a PBR event. They need to see where their numbers are. And then you go work with a guy like you and get better. And yep. then they come back and say, hey, and now I take that profile and I can send it to any college I want and they can see me. And that's how the, the, the internet and Twitter and everything has became such a big tool that we can use to help market ourselves. I, I actually had, I, I saw a tweet the other day. This is probably the last thing I have to jump out, but I had, um, I saw a tweet where a guy said he was a high school coach and he said, don't market yourself. Like he's so sick. Yep, of I saw that. I saw that. Nothing. And I, and I'm like, can you believe there's that kind of negativity and you're a high school coach? Like you, you should be an advocate of your players do. I mean, self-promotion. I mean, it's the world we live in right now. Self-promotion. Yep. Like, so you're telling me like a business like you shouldn't self-promote what you're trying to do to help kids. I mean, how are you supposed to make a living? Like it's, it's, it's like, I don't get it. You, I, yeah, mean, so I just try to share our value. You know, I spend all of my waking time thinking about and developing players yep. as a high school coach. You've got a hundred responsibilities. You don't do that. I just want to share with you what we're doing. Yep. Okay. Two things. We'll move on. We may come back and talk again sometime. What is your, you're an energy drink guy. So I am, I, 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 I like a lot of different ones. Right, and right now, I take a. I'm a huge pre-workout guy every day, and I'm 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 taking this stuff called Woke AF. Have you ever heard okay. of it? It's just I think I've bullet. seen if it. If I'm grabbing an energy drink, and and this, you guys may not like this because I know you I know you guys are specific to some, but I'm a huge um, Nas. Okay. Um, I, I love it, and and then I am. I also like an energy drink just to drink, and it's a monster. Um, like it's a citrus, lighter citrus one. And I, I get it. I love it. And that's just like, just to drink during the day. I am. Yep. A, and I don't, I'm not a huge bang fan. I know you guys like bang. I'm not a huge bang guy. Um, but I do like the, I know it's, I think it's my number awesome. one is white monster. My white, number yeah. one, I'm the, the, the zero ultra white monster. That's my number one. I had one of those yesterday. I drink everything and post reviews on the internet though. Okay. Yeah. So, whatever. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a lot of them. Uh, last question. If you okay, could stand up in your industry of showcasing PBR, if you could yep. snap your fingers and Thanos vanish something that you hate about it, what would it be? Maybe haters on Twitter, but like, let's vanish something in your world. Well, I don't love a couple things. I don't love having to do rankings because I think it's, it's, it's a really hard job to rank young players. Yep. And, but it's, I get it. It's part of it. It's just like college football. You do rankings yep. and like coffee shop talk. I don't yep. love because I, I do think sometimes it hurts your customer base, you know, because maybe you don't rank a yep. kid where they should be ranked. Yep. And I, 
I really, really want to get to a better place where we don't do pop times because pop times in a showcase setting are almost they're just a number now. They're just a number that is equal to what we're doing. Um, everyone's doing the same thing. So it's like, okay, if that's a one nine, it's just relative to what everyone there was doing. Um, but it's not really, it's, it's not in game. I always say showcase. It's not an indication of what's going to happen in game. No, it's not. I mean, you can see quick feet, you can see a quick release, you can see arm strength and that's well, what you we can go. measure arm strength. Just hold yeah, a radar we, gun up. Yeah, we do. We do the radar gun. Yep. If you have 80 mile an hour arm strength from a catcher, you got a good arm. I mean, you got a good arm. You want to be a like I'll take the guy. I'll take the guy that's got a good arm. Absolutely. You know, because it's never going to be clean in a game. You might have to go back in a ball, come up on one knee, throw it. I'll take the guy that throws 85. The thing is, you'll get the showcase catchers that are that, that have like a 68 mile an hour arm, but they're so fast with the release, they're cheating. And so they'll have like yep. a stopwatch. And I'm like, listen, guys, I'm doing this a hundred times in a row. The stopwatch is telling me it's a one nine. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. I know yep. it's probably not a one nine in a game, but the stopwatch in this event is saying one nine. Yep. So then I feel like I'm a baseball guy and I'm like, I know it's not a one nine in a game. Like you said, I know that. Yep. A, I, I was born yesterday. But then you have the parents that are like, hey, it was a one nine. You know, and that's what you lose. <laughs> you lose. Like you get people that all you're doing is creating that those negative Twitter people, giving yep. them ammunition to come after you. Yep, that's what it is. So I, I I would like to remove. It's not that I don't think pop, pop times are important. They are obviously. I mean, controlling the running game is 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 huge, especially. I mean, I mean in pro ball, we you know how you know how it was. Just controlling the running game was big. Yeah. So pop times are just ammunition to haters. You know, it's yep. it's like. 60 time. I do lasers because I want, the, I want there to be no discrepancies. It's a laser start time and finish laser. Okay. It's not a stopwatch. It's a laser because I don't want that. You know, Oh, you started late or five, nine, seven kid on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. And like, the thing is like, what if a kid does run that and the laser says it, are we supposed to like, be like, Oh, we can't post that. Like it's, it's, it's dude, you're in, yep. a, you're putting everything out there. You're in a no win situation with some of these people. So yep. it is what All it right, is, man. Yeah, hey, it was really we good. We got to do it again. We got to do it again. Absolutely. For sure. Good to see you. It was, it was good to see you. Keep doing your thing, man. All right, brother. Later. Yeah.